And today, as we finish chapter 6, right, we're looking at shattered pieces on the ground. I'm just going to be honest with you, especially after the last service. Man, this, this is a sermon that I don't want to preach. This is stuff I don't want to talk about. I've been physically sick this week as I have studied sexual immorality. Our world is just dark. It's dark and it's depraved. And the church has been silent. We have to talk about this. We need God to speak because we're... We're, we're in self. We live right now in 2023 in just self-delusion. Our world is deceived. And the church has become complicit. We have tolerated the immorality the world has shoved down our throats. So we need this this morning. So just, I guess what I'm trying to say is put your seatbelt on. Things might get uncomfortable uh, in the next few minutes as God reveals the depravity of sexual immorality to us so that we can repent of our sin and we can shine as we live for Jesus in this world. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us corporately. We are the physical temple of the Holy Spirit in the world together as God's people, but also, as we'll see in the text this morning, individually we are still, as we leave this place, the temple of the Holy Spirit. People should see the Lord in us, and we should live differently in a way that glorifies Jesus Christ. And you're not going to hear this sermon from old Smiley out in Texas. Right? You're not even going to hear this sermon from strong, large evangelical churches. In our, did you know Atlanta has more mega churches than any other state per capita? I mean, there's, there's, there's a mega church on every corner as you move through Atlanta. There's a lot of people going to church. But churches have weak pulpits in our country today. And we're not talking about the things that Jesus has commanded us. And our world... Not only do we need this, our world needs this. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm just going to read verses 12 throughout the rest of chapter 6. I want us to get God's word into us before we talk about some statistics and then move through the text chapter and verse. And real quick before I read, I want to I say it's super good to see and I don't know where he is, but he came and talked to me. Matt Service is in here. Some, there he is. It's good to see you, Matt. Matt's had some, uh, some health issues, but it is good to see you back in church, brother. Really good. Let's read the text. Starting in verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. 
Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I am thankful for your word. Lord Jesus, every man and every woman in this room, including myself, we are going to get it wrong. Lord God, our hearts are quick to make idols. Lord Jesus, we are quick to succumb to the desires and the temptations of our flesh. Lord Jesus, you save people from themselves. You have saved men and women throughout this room this morning. May we hear and be emboldened by the power of your Spirit how we are to live. And may we shake off sin in the power of your Spirit, Lord Jesus, that this world may see what is true and what is normal ways of life that your people expose Jesus, may we be those people. It is in your name we pray. And every Christian said, Amen. Amen. The context of this final part of chapter 6, which chapter 7 moves us in a completely different direction. Uh, We're going to be talking about marriage and singleness, but the different direction is these are questions that the Corinthian church has actually asked Paul for insight on. Look at chapter 7, verse 1. He changes his tune and he says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So there were some things that the Corinthians wanted Paul to speak into, but chapters 1 through 6 were not those things. They didn't ask for this instruction about their divisions. They didn't ask uh, uh, for instructions on how to kick uh, somebody out of their church who had his arm around his father's wife. They didn't ask. They didn't want Paul speaking into the grievances they had with one another that they were uh, taking to the state and suing one another and asking unbelievers to weigh in on, uh, on the grievances they had with one another. And they certainly didn't ask for this teaching against sexual immorality that Paul hits them between the eyes with. There are evidently still people in Corinth and and specifically, you know, sexual immorality is a big junk drawer term. We've talked about uh, porneia, that word in the Greek. It's found throughout all of Scripture. Jesus uses the word and teaches against sexual immorality in the Gospels. Uh, Luke in the book of Acts records uh, Jesus and the apostles teaching against sexual immorality in all of Paul's letter. And he writes to the Thessalonians, the Colossians, the Ephesians, the Corinthians, flee from, abstain from sexual immorality. And some, in Revelation, the difference between 
the people who follow the beast, Satan and the people of God is their actions of sexual immorality. The sexually immoral are deceived by Satan and follow Satan. You can't escape sexual immorality. And the word means everything. Everything outside the realm of what God has ordained, which is a man and a woman together in a lifelong covenant commitment to one another in which children are produced. This is God's boundaries for the gift of human sexuality. And every married man and every married woman in this room say, praise God for the gift. Amen. It's good. It's a good gift. But we, being the sinners we are, we take things that are good and we, uh, we break them down. We, we make them, we use them in ways they're not meant to be used. And, and therefore we defile the gift which is happening all around us in this world. Everything. Adultery, fornication. Uh, last week we saw adultery in the text specified. We saw homosexuality specified in the text. But those things don't have to be specified because sexual immorality itself, it covers everything outside of the boundaries God sets. And in here there's prostitution. Even though that's covered in sexual immorality, there are people in this church. Now remember, this is Corinth. This is where the temple of Aphrodite was built. The temple boasted a thousand temple priestesses who were uh, temple prostitutes. And it was an act of worship. It was a normal part of Corinthian life to to worship uh, by uh, using the prostitutes of the temple. And there were men in the church who thought, yeah, what's the big deal? I'm a Corinthian. This is what we do. It's just how we live. There's a lot of people who claim to be Christians today that have that same mindset. What's the big deal? Everybody does it. It's just what what we do. We're Americans. It's what we do. Paul says, no. I want to show you some statistics just so, because we need to understand where we're at and how far we have fallen from reality, from truth, from normalcy. We do not live in a normal world anymore. We live in a depraved, mentally ill world where human sexuality has become just a rampant, This first statistic is the scariest to me. And this just came out. This is Pew Research from 2022. This first. The rest of these are 2021 statistics. It's the the, the latest information I could get. But this first one, this is just last year. Self-proclaiming Christians, 57% of people who go to church and claim to be Christians... That's almost six out of ten people who claim to be Christians. Think about that. The majority, if we were voting on this in a church council, this would pass. This would be okay amongst the people who claim to be God's people. The people who have been washed. The people who have been sanctified, set apart for holy purposes. The people who have been justified. Oh, what's the big deal? It's just the temple prostitute. 57. 
Right now, Christians in our country, this is all U.S., say sex between unmarried adults in a committed relationship is sometimes or always acceptable. 57%. What's the big deal? It's just what humans do. Because we're trained from grade school to think we're just animals. It's what we do. You remember in Exodus, why did God say, hey, don't eat meat with blood still in it. Why did God say that? Because he wanted his people to live higher than the animals. We're more than coyotes out in the field. We're more than the monkeys and uh, in the trees. We are created in God's image and in God's likeness. And these physical bodies that he's given us matter to him. It matters how we live. But not according to the statistics. Ow, just, just animals in the zoo. We give condoms out to six. And seventh graders, because they're just animals, they're going to do it. Listen, young men, young women, you can be chaste. You can make it all the way to the altar and, and maintain your purity. You can by the power of God's Spirit. Now, praise God for grace for those of us, those days are gone and we didn't do so well. But this morning, I know people who have done it. You don't have to live like everybody else. You can love God, be saved by God, and worship God in the right way. Honor him with your body through the power of his spirit in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to be part of the 57%. And I put this, everybody knows historically men are ridiculous. I put this statistic in there just to show you where are women. Look how far we've come. I remember growing up and and the reruns on TV. Do you remember those old TV shows? Father Knows Best. (laughs) My Three Sons. Right, leave it to Beaver. Television shows where even in marriage, the man and the woman had separate beds in the bedroom because they wouldn't even show uh, uh, a man and woman laying down. It was was taboo. It was a, a world in which was sexual deviancy happening? Of course it was, but it was all in certain locations, at night, behind closed doors, in the dark corners, because everybody just knew what deviance was. And along comes the feminist movement. Let me tell you something, ladies. Unbelieving men love the feminist movement. Don't wear bras. Be naked all the time. When you're at the beach, wear less than your underwear covers. And by the way, casual sex, women, if men can do it, you can. Why should they have all the fun? Casual, doesn't matter. We're not exchanging phone numbers. Let's just hook up. Unbelieving men love the feminist movement. Look where we've come from the 50s through the sexual revolution to now today. If it was just adultery, that would even seem more normal. If it was just fornication, but it's not. We have grown adults in political offices that are grooming children. 
Grooming is the correct word. Minor attracted persons. They want to stop children from developing. They want to stop the natural process of the body so that as they get older, pedophilia can occur legally. We got drag queens teaching kindergartners how to read of, of gender queer books. Kirk Cameron can't step foot into a library, but drag queen mama Joe mama can. I don't know any drag queen's name except RuPaul. <laughs> RuPaul, there's one. Thank God I don't know any other names. 74% of women engage in sex before marriage. Man, even when I was growing up, if, if the girl in high school that, that did mess around, that was loose, they, they even tried to keep it quiet in the 80s. No longer freedom, sexual revolution, where we finally experience the fullness of the sexual revolution. Let me ask you, is it better? Even the people engaged in this stuff aren't happy. They're no more fulfilled. They're still looking for whatever next door they can, they can push open. Maybe happiness is there. Like we've gone as far as we can in the sexual revolution. People still are happy. They're still trying to figure it out. You know, uh, uh, we got thruples and we got wife swap uh, vacations that you can schedule with uh, agents. 74% of women. By the way, women, the pornography rates amongst women, 40%. It's not just the men that are demons. Verse 3, or verse 3. <laughs> you can tell I'm a preacher. Point three. Now, how many, in America, there's 340 million people that live in this country. 340 that we know about that are supposed to be here. 340 million. 110. Look at the statistics. I just read, I just read an article last week. I think it was the Atlantic that put it out. What are we going to do about the rise of STDs? Because obviously we're not going to quit having sex with anybody we want. So, so can Pfizer do something? Can the, big, can the big companies do something to help us curtail STDs? 110, that's one out of three in this country suffer from a sexually transmitted disease. Four, sex toys are a $15 billion a year industry. And I'd... I don't even know what to say about that. Number five, top four porn sites. The top four. This is just four porn sites. Six billion hits a month. There's only seven billion people on the planet. Six billion. And there are people in this room. You are one of those hits. And you can be free. You don't have to do that ever again. You can be free through the power of God's spirit from whatever sexual addiction you claim to have and justify your pornographic use. There are even men. Uh, Scotty was telling me about Dennis Prager this past week who is a grown man, who's a Jew. He's an incredible guy with an incredible uh, political instruction. He's brilliant. But he 
a Jew who has the Old Testament, who believes the Old Testament, doesn't believe in Jesus, but he, he believes God's, the Old Testament is God's word. Says pornography is fine, especially as you get older in age to keep your youth and your vigor. It's Roman thought, not God's thought. Six billion, we should be mourning. Average age a child is exposed to pornography is 11, age 11. How many of you grew up in my generation? You're an exer. It was hard to see pornography. You had to be able to reach the top shelf at the bookstore, and that was the only way, and, you know, and everybody's watching it to be a kid trying to, to, to work your way in. It was very difficult. Today, not so much. Sarah and I made a rule when our kids turn 11, we have the, because of this statistic, because if you don't tell your kids who they are and what's appropriate, somebody else is going to. By the way, the majority of those first time uh, views of pornography happen by accident. And how many of you, it's happened to you. I was studying one year for either five or six years ago. I was studying for an Easter message, and I I can't even remember. It was something so non-sexual. I mean, I was studying for a sermon, and up pops this. I press Google search, and boom, naked woman right there. Bam. Woo. (laughs) Crazy. But it was that experience that helped. It happens. Innocent people. Boom. It's there. And when you see it, it can't be unseen. Talk to your kids. Let them know who they are. Don't let the world tell them who they are. That's why God gave parents. You've got to be honest. You've got to teach. You've got to instruct in the ways of the Lord. We're here to serve you. We're here to help you in that discipleship. But the responsibility is yours. And yours. You're going to stand before God. Dads, you're going to stand before God. Moms are too. But dads, the weight of the responsibility falls on you. Don't let life just happen to your kids. Because with all the screens, I mean, we got screens in our pockets, screen iPads by our beds, televisions in every room. We got screens everywhere. Age 11, kids, pornography. 96% of Gen Z. Now, who is Gen Z? Look down at the bottom, number 15. Young people born 1997 to 2012. Young people that have grown up on screens. Young people that have grown up with pornography being rampant. Young people that every song, every concert, every venue, every award show, every television program is pushing sexual immorality of various kinds. 96% of Gen Z are encouraging, accepting, or neutral to porn. Ah, what's the big deal? Yeah, sure, it's good. It's good. You know, I'm a filthy sinner like everybody else. But I do praise God for the grace of, of never, I can say I've never been to, the closest I've ever been to a strip club. I was 18, I was not serving the Lord. I was 18 on Bourbon Street with a bunch of my buddies from youth group. We were on a church choir trip. <laughs> Somehow we left the safety of the group and ended up on Bourbon Street pounding hurricanes. So, again, no angel here, 
But I do remember as we walked down Bourbon Street, I saw through the door to the inside a woman dancing on a table in front of a bunch of men. And I just, man, I got, even at 18, not following the Lord, I just got sick to my stomach. Because that, I mean, and I didn't even have a mind to understand, but I just knew I was seeing extortion. I just knew I was seeing abuse in that moment. These are somebody's daughters. When you're looking at porn, you are supporting the extortion and the abuse of women. You are. You're, you're not com you're complicit. I don't know if that's the right word, but you, you are responsible. But it's okay. 97% of the next generation, that's oh, just what we do. It's just, it's just gonna be. 80% of porn users feel no guilt at all. The rise of narcissism is real. The psychoanalytic people, the psychiatrists, they see it happening before their eyes. They're wondering how they can stop it. But in a world where we're just animals, narcissism is going to occur. Gone are the days. Can you remember I mean, I don't even remember this, but I've been told in the 50s, the milkman had a key to your house. We're a long way away from that kind of altruistic society where trust occurred and you could leave your doors unlocked. 80% of porn users feel no guilt at all. Average age of sexual experience, 16 for boys, 17 for girls. I love this one. Most secular research suggests teaching abstinence hurts kids. Now look, my two, I have the Peacock streaming channel for two reasons. The Office and Parks and Rec. That's all I watch. Uh, if, if, you know, when I'm ready to relax, I just want to sit down. I want mindless TV, and it's usually Office or Parks and Rec, and we go back there. Both of those shows, great shows, but both of those shows have an entire episode dedicated to, teach, to teaching how stupid abstinence is. Both shows. That's the thinking of our world. You can't teach kids not to have sex. They're going to do it regardless, no matter what. That's how the world thinks. But that's not how God's people are to think. By the way, let's follow the science. Nothing. <laughs> get the vaccine. You won't get COVID. <laughs> right? We all know that's a lie now, right? Secular research says can't teach abstinence. That's hurtful to kids. But it also understands from statistics and from the data that uh, less partners increases happiness in marriage and increases odds of not getting divorced. That is data-driven research. It's fact. Do things God's way. You're going to have more meaning and purpose and fulfillment and happiness in your life. It's just the reality of what do you know? God who made us knows how we should live. Don't teach abstinence, but if they have less partners, they're going to be happier. Number 12, and this since Song of Solomon, which was just a couple years ago, this statistic has doubled. I wonder why. 
because it's being shoved down our throats by mentally ill, sick people who want us to not only uh, 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 accept their delusion, but want us to join in with them. 7.2% of the U.S. population identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. It's never been that high. Traditionalists, boomers, busters, it's less than 1% of those entire generations. You get into Gen Z and Gen X, millennials, explosive growth. Why? Because we're teaching them in kindergarten. The doctor looked at you for a half a second and knew you were a boy or girl and put it on your birth certificate. But don't let the doctor decide. Don't let nature decide. Certainly don't let God decide. You, I mean, we've been raised on, we got 50 years of Disney movies telling us we can be whatever it is we want to be. We got ding-dongs in furry costumes running around sexual deviants. Mentally ill, not normal, anomalies. But the anomaly is becoming mainstream. What we celebrate is reproduced. What's being celebrated, every award show, every article you read, trans, gay, LGBTQ, soup, alphabet people, of the entire population. Never been that high. Why? These younger generations are brainwashed. They've been indoctrinated right in front of our eyes. We've just sat back and not said anything. We've been tolerant. We don't want to be the Karen. Sorry if your name's Karen. Terrible thing we've done to your name. (laughs) We want people to like us, so we've sat back. But we can't sit back. We're losing generations. Church has been canceled. But this is God's word. He knows how we're to live. 30% of millennials born 81 through 96 identify on the LGBT spectrum. 30%. That's crazy. 7.2 is crazy. 30% is crazy. We're living in a delusion. We're peace and safety, peace and safety. Remember, God says, do not, this is I have against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel. We, that should make us cry. We cannot tolerate that. Our children are precious to God. We've got to train them in the way of the Lord. And they're not here, if they don't hear it from you, and they don't hear it here on Sunday, they're not hearing it anywhere else. It's basically against the law. Which, by the way, I'm so proud of Joe and Cartersville. They got canceled on social media last week. I don't know how they got canceled before we did. But I told them, badge of honor. Own it, wear it, it's good. 30% of millennials, now look at this, not only 30% of the entire generation, but 30, within that generation, the subset of Christians, 
that make up the millennial, the people who say they know and love Jesus, the people who claim to be in Christ, 30% of them identify on the spectrum. We're not doing a good job with our Bibles. We're not doing a good job when you can grow up your whole life in church and never hear, flee from sexual immorality, repent of your sin. We're not doing a good job. 40% of Gen Z, generation after millennials, 40% of them identify on the spectrum. And then look at this number. Now you'd think this number would be huge. Because it's everywhere. Every news article, every, uh, every organization's talking about this. Every state is trying to make laws and trying to handle this problem. When it's 0.3% identify as trans. We've, we've heard Dave Chappelle the prophet. <laughs> Even the L's, the G's, and the B's don't like the T's. Very few people, loudest message out. You think everybody on every street's trans in our country, but very few are that mentally ill to, to get to this basement level sin. And it is basement level sin. We'll talk about it in a second. Let's get to the text now. This is where we're at. How do we get there? Weak pulpits, a silent church, and God's people silent in their families and in their neighborhoods, but we need revival. And why is it loving? Why is it loving to share those? Why is it loving to walk through this text? Because they're not happy. They keep blowing up doors. They keep trying to progress to these certain areas thinking they're going to find it there. But they get there and they don't. It's why in the, the 30% of millennials, the 40% of Gen Z, the suicide rate is also almost 40%. Most medicated, mine used to be, now it's the millennials, most medicated generation ever. Most likely to abuse Chemicals, drugs, alcohol, most likely to self-medicate, most likely to see they're all in therapy. That's why we need, we've got therapy puppies. Now that's a thing where my dad just would have smacked me across the head and said, get over it, let's go. Therapy puppies. I got people getting up and walking out of council meetings because they can't handle real talk. This is loving. You can't find the meaning and purpose you were created to live in apart from Christ and the way. God knows how he created us. God knows how we should live. God knows where meaning, fulfillment, happiness come from. Following his, that's why the Bible says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come. How many of you are older? You know trouble comes. Health issues come. Man, I can't see for anything. I got to wear glasses all the time. When I, do you see how big the words on this Bible are? I haven't crossed the line yet where I have to wear glasses to preach. 
But trouble comes. But when you have that relationship with the Lord from, from your youth, you've developed, you've grown in that relationship. You love him more and more each day. Man, trouble comes, yes, but you are still secure in Christ. You know him. And you know he's your God. You know he's not going to leave you. You know he's not going to forsake you. You don't have to find comfort somewhere else because your comfort is in the Lord, the, the shalom, the peace that he provides, the peace that passes all understanding. A thruple's not going to give it to you. Marriage is not one man and three women. It's not two men, two women. We're so perverse. God is clear. That's not the way. Don't cheat on your spouse. Adultery is a sin. Don't have sex before you're married. Fornication is a sin. Incest is a sin. Spelled out. All homosexuality is a sin to be repented of. That we may find our joy and our purpose in Christ and Christ alone. Living life His way. I don't hate you. I love you. I want you to know what God says. All things. Now, look at the quotations in verse 12. Paul is quoting. He, there's three sets of quotations. Paul is quoting the justifications that the men who visit the prostitutes use. That the sexually immoral in the church are trying to use. You hear a lot of these things, same things today. Paul, Paul reminds them, all things are lawful for me. You keep saying that. This is what the antinomians say. Martin Luther uh, battled against them during the Reformation period and coined that term. Those who are against the, there are people who claim to be Christians that say, well, I've been free from sin. So even when I sin, it's not really sin. Let me just, we need to actually sin more so that we can experience more grace. It doesn't matter how we live. All things are lawful to me. Now watch what Paul says. He comes, he gives the justification, then he comes back and he hits them with some truth. You say all things are lawful. It's just who we are. It's just what we do. You say all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Listen, I could take a, I could put my hand on this table and take a hammer and just smash it. I can do it. I'd be stupid and an idiot to do it, but I could. Paul says, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Just because uh, uh, there's forgiveness in Christ and you can pray a prayer and, and repent of your sin, it doesn't mean it's not helpful for you in your relationship with Christ to go off and sin just because you can. All things are lawful for me, he says again, but I will not be dominated by anything. Look how, this is how this section opens. Look how it ends. Look at the end of verse 19. You are not your own. We just went through Exodus last year. God delivered his people from the bondage they experienced in Egypt. God said, no longer is Egypt your master. And the great Sim, sim, symbolism in the Exodus is God has saved us from the slavery of sin. 
We are a free people. He who the Lord sets free is free indeed. There is real freedom in Christ from things that hold us down and chain us up in bondage. God freed his people from Egypt, but out in the wilderness, he said, hey, you're free, but not really, because I'm your master. We've, we've changed masters. No longer is Egypt your master. I'm your master. Have no other gods but me. It's the first commandment. Paul reminds the Corinthians of this truth. We have been freed from sin and death. But just because we're free doesn't mean we forget who our master is. We are to follow the Lord. Oh, well, sure, we can live however we want. We can do whatever we want. But not if God is our master. There should be obedience that comes to the Christian. Paul reminds them, sure, you can, but you shouldn't. Because sin dominates Lives and God's freed you not to be dominated any longer by sin. Third slogan of the Corinthians, food is meant for the stomach and stomach for food. What does it mean? Just, just what we do. It's who we are. This is just how we live. Aphrodite, blessed be her name. God will destroy both one and the other. Remember who is in charge. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What's the big deal, Brent? I mean, everybody's doing it. We are like animals. We teach our children uh, from young ages. What's the big deal? This is the big deal. Your body was not, your body was meant for human relationship. In the context of marriage, God's way, a man and a woman coming together and enjoying the fruits of the marriage bed. It's a beautiful thing. But outside of that, your body, this flesh and blood, your body was not made for sexual immorality. And listen, there are people in our church who work in the medical profession who have told me uh, she, she can't believe that the news hasn't picked up on what, what human sexuality outside of God's, what it does to a person's body. It is disgusting and gross because it's not God's way. 110 million STDs. Your body was not made for sexual immorality. What was your body made for? The Lord. Our bodies, these physical bodies, they matter to God. You know, in Greek thought, it was the spirit. Well, only the spirit was, could be pure or could be good. Uh, but the body is just, blah, body's worthless. Not according to God who created us. There is value in this body. You know, a lot of Christians for a long time have been scared to death uh, to be cremated. Don't cremate me and throw my ashes. When God returns, he's not going to be able to gather all the pieces of me up. Which is a very low view of God if he couldn't do that, right? But this body matters. You are going to have. Jesus became flesh. He became physical in body. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived the perfect life we have not. He died in our place. They put him in the ground. And he rose 
physically, his physical body was resurrected. I can't wait till we get to 1 Corinthians 15. You are going to have a physical body, a body that Jesus himself unites himself with. That's why marriage is a picture of the mystery of the gospel. The same way a man commits to a woman for life, Jesus commits himself, gives himself fully to us, his church. It's called the bride of Christ. Our physical bodies matter. They were created in his image and in his likeness. And we're going to be in these physical bodies forever. Yes, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But at the resurrection, the firstborn from the dead, Jesus Christ is going to re-raise, give us new physical glorified bodies. Sexual immorality is a problem. Why? Because it's not what our body was made for. Our body was made for him. He's going to unite himself physically to us forever. For all eternity, we're going to belong to him forever. Sexual immorality teaches the opposite. When we don't use our bodies rightly God's way, it teaches the opposite message. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? We talked about this last week. Where is Christ? He is seated in the heavens. Where, what's going on with us? Positionally, we are already seated with him. That's why when he judged, Paul can say, don't you know you're going to judge the world? You're going to judge the angels? Why? Because as Christ judges, we are joined with them. He's given himself fully to us. Don't you know we are in Christ? In Christ. 30 times in Ephesians alone. In Christ. Our body belongs to him. That's why this is a big thing. And that's why sexual immorality mars the image of Christ. And how many more preachers have to fall? How many more ministries have to tumble because of sexual immorality? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Exclamation point. Never. Not one situation, not one uh, weird thing that could happen that could make this okay. Ever. Not one. And then he grounds this. And we're going to talk more about marriage next week. And we're going to go to Genesis uh, a little deeper next week. But he grounds this in creation itself. Why should we be sexual immoral? Because he made our bodies. Our bodies belong to him, are made for him. And marriage is God's plan for this body. Should you ever join yourself to a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? There is something spiritual about human sexuality. It's when souls entwine, sex gives ourselves fully to another person. You were made to have that. Where's all the emotion? Where's all the therapy? Where's all the psychoanalytic stuff coming from? 
People like animals join themselves spiritually over and over and over again to hundreds of different partners. And we wonder what's wrong with us. What couldn't be wrong with us the way that we live in this world? Don't you know when you join, the two become one flesh? Creation, grounded in God's idea for marriage and human sexuality. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee like Joseph in the house of Potiphar. You know Joseph's story. When Potiphar's wife makes passes at Joseph, what does Joseph do? I, when I was a youth pastor, I would tell my boys this all the time. Don't think you're strong enough. Don't think it's not going to happen. Don't think you're in control. You know, you start kissing off in a dark corner in the back seat of an automobile. Don't start kissing and think, I'm not going to go any farther. Because boy, when that passion lights up, there's no stopping it. That's why the Bible says, that's why Joseph, when Potiphar's wife uh, came on to him, he he didn't stop to think about it. He didn't stop to pray even. He just ran away. This is the emphasis. Flee sexual immorality. If you've got a problem with a computer, it's better to live without a computer than to engage with the prostitute. Flee sexual. Run away. It's the only way you're going to be safe. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Now listen, we got to wrap up, but hear this. Because you've probably heard that all sin is the same. But it's not. There are what the Bible calls mortal sins. Sexual immorality, especially homosexuality. Is Romans 1. It is a basement level sin that occurs only after God gives you over to a depraved mind. It's so not normal. It goes against nature itself. Where men do what should not be done with other men and women do what is unnatural and lie with other women, Romans 1 says. Sexual immorality is basement levels, just like our works in chapter 3. Not all of us are doing the same works for the Lord. Those who are are doing more works for the Lord are going to be rewarded more. What do you know? Capitalism exists in heaven. Those who work hard get more. Sexual immorality, don't you know? This This isn't just like... You know, you break a lamp and then you blame it on your brother or sister. This is a deeper, this is a more, a more grievous, this is basement level sin. You're not only sin, all sin offends God. But not all sin is equal. Not only do we offend God with sexual immorality, but we actually sin against our own bodies. That were not made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. Or do you not know that your body is a temple? Now, we've seen this language before in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, God is instructing through Paul that the church itself, all of us together, we are the physical representation of the gospel in the world. When we gather together like this, we become the temple of God in the world. And that is true corporately, but it's also true individually. The same framework, the same uh, reality is here to the individual themselves. Yes, the corporate church is the temple of God, but also so are you and your physical body. Now, this doesn't mean you only have to eat carrots and celery like my mom tried to convince me of when I was young. But in terms of sexual immorality, you got to keep the temple pure. You individually are still the physical representation of the work of the gospel, the light of Jesus in this world. That's why Jesus said, don't you know you are the light of the world? Don't you know a city on a hill can't be hidden? You are individually, your body that was created for the Lord is the temple of God, the Holy Spirit temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. God put his own. How can we live sexually immoral lives when God has put his own spirit in us? What truth, what joy to know. And this is why I keep saying you can defeat the sin that you've succumbed to. Don't believe the lie. You can be killing sin or sin will be killing you, John Owen said in his great book, Mortification of the Flesh, if you want to read some old words. You can. How do I know? Because not only have I beat sins that I've succumbed to, through the power of God's Spirit that is in me. I know from theology and I know from personal life, practice, you can conquer. Now, we're always going to fall in many ways, but you can conquer those besetting sins that so easily entangle you. You can, because God's Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Man, if we could just understand the power that we have been given to shine for Christ. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the gospel work. All we like sheep had gone astray. We were all slaves to sin like sexual immorality. But Jesus came and he did what no other human being has done. He perfectly satisfied every righteous requirement of God's law. And then the punishment we deserved, he died in our place for our sins to free us from sin but not only to free us from sin, but to free us to new creation life that he gives us the power to live out. And that new creation life flees from sexual immorality. Let's pray. Lord God, help your people be your people. Lord Jesus, may no one suffer condemnation this morning, but may they feel conviction 
to be your men and your women in this world who show people the satisfaction that comes from doing life God's way. Lord Jesus, may many be blessed and may many be saved through the preaching of your word. It is in Jesus' name every Christian said, Amen.